in this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. It's a very familiar scripture for those that's been in the Bible for any length of time. And it's some of the greatest scriptures that we can read concerning salvation. So Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Verse number 1, when you find it, let's stand. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And he hath quickened you. That means he has brought you back from the dead. He has made you alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the child, children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I love this word in the Bible, but, but God, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we are dead in our sins, have quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For grace are you saved through faith, and is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your words, Lord. We thank you that you're blessed to read him your word and help us to adhere to it in our hearts this morning, Lord. And Father, we just ask that you minister to those who are in need this morning. Uh, facing difficulties, facing life's changing situations, Lord, we, we pray that thy hand will be on them. And Father, we'll just give you the glory, we'll give you the honor in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The first three verses it gives us an uh, up-close and in-depth look at what man is viewed like by God. Without Jesus Christ, the first three verses does not soften the blow. It does not pull any punches in showing us head to toe, spiritually look at the shape of mankind is in. Without the saving grace, without the power of God, the riches and mercies of that individual's life, you are lost and undone. We all love verses 8 and 9, don't we? I love them. For by grace you are saved through faith, and it's not uh, yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I love those two verses. But I want you to understand something. I want you to be aware of how God does things in his mind and in his heart. God always precedes his positive by showing us the negatives. God never gives us the positives first. He always gives us the negative before you ever get to the glorious news of the positive this morning. He gives us negative. He hits us meekly in verse 1 with the truth that man is not depressed Man is not discouraged. Man is not just uh, in bad condition. But indeed, the Bible said in verse number one that mankind without Jesus is spiritually dead this morning. 
He is dead because of sins. He is dead because his sins this morning. Can I tell you, mankind does not need to be resuscitated. Mankind needs resurrection. Mankind does not need a rehabilitation. Man needs resurrection. Uh, man does not need reformation, but man needs a resurrection this morning. I fear we have tried to rehabilitate, to resuscitate, and try to reform people when really all they need is a good old-fashioned dose of heaven-sent salvation by the Holy Spirit this morning. We're trying to doctor up a dead person on the outside, someone that's spiritually dead, and make them look better, smell better, and feel better. While all the while they are dead to God, dead in their sins, and dead in trespasses against the Lord this morning. If you study your Bible, our Lord and Savior, it's interesting that He raised three people from the dead in the, in the Bible. The first of them we find this 12-year-old daughter of the ruler of the synagogue, whose name was Jairus. She dies immediately. And, that, and after Jesus steps into the house, she is not starting to decay. She is not starting to rot. To, uh, but he steps in the house and she me, he immediately raises her out of dead. Then, then we find Jesus touches the coffin of the, the only son of the widow in the uh, procession, funeral procession. He touches the coffin. And, and certainly he had been dead for a couple of days to be put in the coffin. It was heading to the tomb. Uh, certainly, he touched the coffin and raised that man up. Then we find he touched Lazarus. Lazarus died, and, and he was in the grave for four days. Jesus shows up. Uh, he said, take me to the place. And, and they said, surely, Jesus, by now, he's been in the grave four days. By now, he stinketh. So he'd been there four days. Certainly, he had been decaying. He was starting to rot. Now listen to me. Listen about what I'm about to tell you. Were you that 12-year-old girl and just died, or were you Lazarus has been dead for four days, it, regardless of your condition, regardless what decay you're into, Jesus Christ still can save you. It doesn't matter how dead you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been dead. Jesus Christ still can save you this morning. You're lost here this morning. It's not up to you to compare your condition with your neighbor's condition. You're saying, yes, I, I may be spiritually dead, but I'm not as spiritually dead as they are. I, I may be decaying, but I'm not decaying as much as they are. I don't use drugs. I don't beat my wife. I don't run around. I, I'm not as bad off as those people are. You're still dead. You're still dead. Your decay is not to be as bad as your neighbors or up the street. You might walk in here and, and you're decaying so bad saying, God can't save me because how far gone my life has been. It's in a spiritual deadness, a, a spiritually dead. Can I say it doesn't matter if your life is in a train wreck and, and you're heading to hell in a basket limited. Jesus Christ still can save you. You can be a young person and die. You can be an old person and die and you're dead in your sins. But let Jesus Christ come to your life 
and to quicken you this morning. It's interesting that in verse 1 he said that we are dead in trespasses and sin. But watch what he said about these dead people in verse 2. Worry in times past ye walked. I, 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 I had to step on that for a little bit and it says, in time past ye walked. How did dead people walk? I've been looking at this for a long time. I've been studying this for a long time. It's been in my crawl. And he finally said, you need to go ahead and preach that. Dead men walking. I, I've watched several movies. I, I, anybody ever seen the movie Green Mile? Yeah. I love that movie. In that scene where you watch Green Mile is centered around death row. The whole picture is considered around death row. Those that have been tried, convicted, and sentenced to die are on death row. And what they did, used to do, they don't still do this no more because it's not politically correct. But what they used to do when they take one out of the cell that was heading to the, the chambers or heading to the electric chair, they would walk down the corridors and guards in front of him and guard in back of him. And as they walked down, the one in back said, dead man walking, dead man walking. He's walking, he's walking to his grave. That's, that's what we are today. We are dead man walking today, amen. Uh, they used to do that. They can't do it today, but I love that movie and it gives us a sense. You're walking around, you've been tried, you've been convicted and sentenced. You're a dead man on two legs this morning. Yeah, you may be sitting here. Yes, you may be breathing. Yes, you may go home and eat. Yes, you may talk, but you're still spiritually a dead man walking this morning can I tell you the truth this morning if you are without Jesus and never been born again with the birth from above you've never repented of your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your savior that is what you are this morning you say well I, I'm sitting here I'm talking I'm breathing yeah but spiritually you are a dead man walking this morning A moral, some people live on a, uh, try to live a moral, clean life, a privileged life. But the fact of it is, no matter what your life is, no matter what you're going through, you're still a dead man walking without Jesus. You've already been tried. You've already been convicted. We've all been there. And the sentence is there ahead of us if we don't get right with God. The Bible said, He that believeth not, is already condemned because he don't believe on the, the only name of the Son of the God Son of God. Mark this down. You're not waiting to be tried. You're not waiting to be convicted and sentenced. You've already been tried. You've already been convicted. You've already been sentenced. You're walking on the results of it to the lake of fire because you've been tried and convicted and sentenced because of it. You're sitting here this morning and already rejected Jesus Christ. Uh, then condemnation of God about us upon your head this morning. Bible said, he that believeth not on the Son of the everlasting life, but he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. 
You've got to make your condition right this morning. You may be here this morning and you may be in some certain decay in your life spiritually. And today I'm telling you, you can get it right with God and get that sentence off your head because things has happened in your life that God made sure. But the wrath of God is on your head, child of God. You're a dead man, you're a dead woman. Walking this morning. Can I show you three things real quick about this dead man walking that I see in here in scriptures? I love this. We see the course of the dead man. Look at the course of the people who are dead spiritually that are in still walking. Verse number two. Where in times past you walk according to this course. Look at the course. The course of this world. And watch the course has in store involved those in life. Verse number three. Among whom also we have our conversations in time past. Let me say this to every Christian in the building. If you are saved this morning. If you are redeemed. Paul said over and over and over. He reminds us that he's writing to Christians. He's reminding us that we used to be that type of child. God uh, don't ever get to a place uh, that you can poke your chest out. And put your fingers in your spiritual suspenders. And think that you can never get back to that condition. You think that you've done something. Oh no, without grace of God, you are in the same mess before God found you. Without the grace of God, you would still be the same drunken when God found you. Without the grace of God, you would still be the lost church member that God found you. Without the grace of God, you'll still be the lost man that you was before God found you. We are blessed. Bless his name for his grace this morning. You can't miss the course of a dead man walking. It's clearly marked. Clearly marked in, in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, he tells us. This course is a disobedient course. Lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Everybody who is dead and trespassing sins never met Jesus Christ, the Savior, this morning. They don't have no desire to be obedient to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the things of God. They have not the Spirit of the God this morning. They don't have the Spirit living inside this morning. They're just doing Whatever feels right in their life this morning. You're stuck in the same place where the Bible said in Judges that there is no king. And every man did what was right in their own eyes. Jesus, the king of glory, is not ruling and reigning in your life this morning. You know what they're doing? You're just sitting here doing the same thing over and over. You're fulfilling the desires of the lust and fulfilling the desires. And whatever pops up in your mind, you're doing. You're just doing your own thing this morning. It's a disobedient course this morning. Bible says, for those who are saved, for many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You see, when you're saved, your course changes. You're not led by the flesh anymore. Thank God. Praise God for that. You're led, now led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says because the carnal mind is an enmity. 
against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You're turning over a new life on your own. You're trying to turn a page. You're trying to reach down and pull up your straps uh, by your own uh, bootstraps. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do that. You've got to have God in His Word, His life. Whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to do it yourself, it's just like a rabbit running down a hole. You're going to keep going down and keep going down and keep going down. You, there has to be a change, of course, in your life. This is a disobedient course that we're on. Can you remember when you lived that way? Can you remember when you were disobedient? You, you remember when you used to run out a string of words and put Jesus right in the middle of that string of words? But you remember when, when that change happened in your life, you got saved, you came to the and that glorious God saved you by His grace. And then when you heard something like that, you just cringed. It, it just moved on you. You say, I, I, I used to be that way. I could say, I used to be that way. But something happened. Now I'm on a different course. I'm not on the same course that I used to be. I read a story. Two old street people pushing their carts, lived on the streets, stayed on the streets. And something, they, they were going by a church and they just all of a sudden decided to go inside the church. They, they went inside the church and boy, let me tell you what, God moved on them. They didn't have anything. Didn't have much, didn't have nothing, anything. But God moved on them. They start going back to that church over and over and over. So one day, uh, the pastor asked the man, says, uh, oh, how would you like to join us in our men's group? He said, well, sure, I'd love to do that. So he went down there, and they had the men's group, and all the men down there had T-shirts on, had the name of the group on their shirts. So he left and went back and told his wife, says, all them people had T-shirts on. I, I got to have something like that. Now, neither one of them could read. They couldn't write. They, they, they dug through and found an old T-shirt, and they was wondering what in the world can they, can they write it, couldn't write on it, could anything. But the lady looked across the street, and she saw a sign. She said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll stitch that on his T-shirt. So she went there and stitching on that shirt. She showed her husband. She said, what it says, I don't know. But it looks good. So he put that T-shirt on. He went to the next men's meeting. And he walked up to the preacher and said, Preacher, I've got me a T-shirt. How do you like that? The preacher looked down and read that and says, You know what? I like that. What she had done, it was a hotel across the street. And the sign says, Under New Management. And she tracked that on his shirt under new management. Let me just say, but a lot of us, us needs to get under new management. We, we've been living in the world with the old management for too long. We, not, we need to get under new management today. Amen. Praise God. Under new management. It is a disobedient walk that we live into the day. But not only is it not only disobedient, but it's also a doom walk. Look at the end of verse 3. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Wrath in the text here literally is pointing to hell. The Bible said Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. 
This morning, if you're not saved, your course is heading to the lake of fire. You say, preacher, you stand here, tell him all about this, my, about my name's recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, and, and, and uh, I'm going to have that great big supper in the sky. I'm going to have a great big union in the sky. And let me just say, how are you sure? How do you know that you're saved and on your way to heaven? Easy. I'm not heading that way. I, I'm not heading. My, my course has been changed. I'm heading in a different directions. I, I made my mind up that I, I don't like the course that I was on. I, I went to the uh, altar and I got right with God and he put me on a new course. I'm under new management. Amen. It's a doom walk. It's a condemned walk. We see the course of the dead man walking. We see the communion, the commuting of the sentence. After the Holy Ghost shows up, he doesn't just leave us. Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins. You're sitting here this morning lost and dead in your sins. Let me give you some good news this morning. Somebody loves you. And he's demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. It's not just for some, but for every man, woman, boy, girl. There is a way to get off death row. There's a way to get off death row this morning. And, and a lot of us are currently on that death row. It's not by being a good person. It's not by being, turning over a new leaf. It's, not by total, it's only by total submission to Jesus Christ and the cross this morning. You keep on trying to pull yourself up and trying to do your own thing this morning. You'll stay the same course that you're on right now. You're not heading in the right direction. You say, how do I get off this course that I'm on this morning? Got to change the course and be saved. And it's not possible within yourself to do it. It's only possible through Jesus Christ. You see, the way a man, a man is on the death row is because he rejects him. We're a dead man walking. The only way that we can get off that this morning is something that has to take place in your life. I got some good news. Somebody has already went to the execution for you this morning. I can't be tried for it anymore because somebody already died for it this morning. It would be double jeopardy. Uh, I, God, as far as God's concerned, when I trusted Jesus Christ, He imputed all my sins, all my trespasses, and my deadness on the life of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. And that man in God's eye is no longer alive. He's not, he's no longer exists. Somebody died for you this morning. Somebody gave you his life instead of mine. He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity. He died for me. He got me off death row. We find there's a claiming for the dead man walking. You ask, how, how do I claim this gracious 
pardon from God? How do I claim this new life in Jesus? Not to be a dead man spiritually anymore. It's found in verse 8. For by grace you are saved. Watch how you claim it through church membership. No. <laughs> through baptism. No. Through communion. Through being a good person. My Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith. Through faith. No, praise God. It's not being a good person. It's through faith. If you want to claim what God has got for you, what God is offering you, you must do it through faith. So what does that mean? That means you recognize and realize that you're everything that I've said you were this morning and Jesus Christ is everything that I said he was this morning. You claim it by faith. What is he getting out of it? Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose on the third day. I believe that I would call on you right now and you would save me. And give me a home in heaven and forgive me of my sins. That's how you claim the promise of God. Amen. I'm not talking about a 12-step program. I'm talking about a one-step program. Call on the name of Jesus this morning. The Bible says draw nigh unto God and God will draw nigh unto you. And through faith, trusting Christ this morning, that, that's what I did. I simply trusted Christ by faith. Nothing that I've done, nothing that I can do. The only thing I can do is receive Christ as my Savior and live out to Him. I'm not good enough to earn it. I'm not good enough to work my way to it. I had to trust the only one that was able to do it, and that is Jesus Christ this morning. The Bible talks about the Israelites and Hebrews. It said that when they were trying to go in, He said, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They couldn't enter in because of unbelief. You know why a lot of people not make it into heaven? Not receive the promise of God, not go to the promised land because of the unbelief. Because you have not trusted Jesus Christ. You have not, uh, uh, had, had not trusted in God. You're dependent on nothing but yourself. You need to depend on Christ for the forgiveness of sin this morning. You were an unbeliever. The Bible says in Acts 28, after Paul had preached the message to them, and in the message, and then it said that some believed and some not. That's the same crowd we have today. Some believe, some not. This is what we have in the church this morning. Some believe, some not. The only way to get off death row, the only way to get off that execution block is trusting in Jesus Christ. George Wilson, I don't know if anybody heard of him. It's not Mr. Wilson on the Dennis and Menace. 1829, George Wilson and his accomplice decided they was going to rob a federal mail carrier. 
And that dude, when, they, when you robbed a mail carrier, that was a federal offense. And the federal offense, the only, the only thing was, was death. Death. So him and his accomplice robbed this federal, this federal, uh, federal mail carrier and, and at gunpoint, and they threatened him. They was going to beat him up, and they took, it, and they took all the, uh, the mail, and they took all the payroll, whatever they had on there. And then, but as they was going on, his accomplice got caught. And finally, George got called. Both of them in jail. Both of them uh, get facing the trial. And, and his accomplice got tried and got convicted, and he was hung. But good old George had a family that was well connected with the president, Andrew Jackson. And they went to Andrew Jackson, and they pleaded, Hey, he's not a bad person. He didn't kill anybody. He didn't do anything. Please help him. And so what Andrew Jackson did, you read it, 1829, you read this. He wrote out a decree and gave him a full, unconditioned pardon. You may go free. All you got to do is take it. So... So they took this pardon. They went to George. Say, hey, president has given you a pardon. You can go free. Just walk out the cell and go. Now I would have went. I'd have to admit to you. I, I'd have to. I'd have, I'd have said, you know what? I'm thinking. I'm gone. George didn't. He turned the pardon down. And when he turned that pardon down, nobody knew what to do. I mean, the president of the United States has given this a man a full, unconditional pardon. He was sins, been wiped away. He is, he's ready to go. All he has to do is step out the cell and go home. But he done hung his accomplice. George said, no. They said, well, you pardon, you got to take it. No. So the Supreme Court had to weigh in on this. And I love what they said. The court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of the pardon unless he claims it. See that? Unless he claims the benefit of it and relies on it by a plea of motion. The form in which he may ask it is, it's not material. Any way he asked for this pardon any way he asks he can beg for it plead for it and just say I want my pardon it's not material but he must claim it in some shape form or fashion he has to change claim this claim it is granted to him it is his property it may be accepted or not as he pleases the chief justice says his pardon is an act of grace with the powers and entrusted in the laws but Deliver is not complete without the acceptance. You see what I'm saying? He was, he was given a pardon. He was, he, he, here you go. You, you, you're good to go. Your sins have been wiped away. You're clean. You're good to go. But if you don't take it, it doesn't do no good. It ain't doing no good. It may be rejected by the person to whom it was intended, and we have no power in the court to force it on him. In other words, they said, hey, we're not going to make him take it. It's his property. I can't make him take it. 
The pardon was given by grace. It's not completed unless it's accepted. And the courts cannot force it on. I am trying to let you know that you are a dead man walking this morning. And God has already gave you a pardon this morning. He says, hey, here's the pardon. I went to the cross of Calvary. I died for your sins. I'm trying to get it pardon. You're nothing but a dead man walking. But I've given you a full unconditional pardon. All you got to do is receive it. I ain't going to force it on you this morning. The reason why people won't get to heaven is because they reject the pardon that God has given them. They rejected the pardon. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk this morning. I, I don't know how close you are to God. I don't know how far away from you to God. But let me just say this. In the days in which we're living in the day, I want to be as close to God as I possibly can get. I want to feel his presence when I get out of bed in the morning. I want to know that he's there. I don't want to have to sit there and guess whether God is there or whether I'm feeling the presence of God. I want to know. The chief sinner's apostle Paul said all he did on the road to Damascus, all I did was just trust in Jesus. I'm telling you, there's no sinner too wicked that Jesus cannot pardon. All you got to do is simply by faith and claim it this morning. It's a free pardon this morning. You may be here this morning, you've got some things in your life that just 